It's the closest you'll ever get to your musical idols. Another day that the posters on my wall have come to life. Volume Sirius XM 106. goes deep. Okay, it's uh, Volume Series XM 106. Nick Carter, Lori Majewski. Uh, 10 o'clock, don't forget, 10 o'clock Eastern. Paul Stanley will be on these very airwaves with a very big, very special announcement, so stay tuned for that. Lori, I have to tell you, it's nice, uh, we don't have a lot of them, but to have a living legend on speed dial, it's a very enviable position. We have access to the one and only, the fountain of rock knowledge that is Matt Pinfield. You old hobbling man, how are you? I'm doing good, Nick. I'm doing well. I'm getting better uh, after this, uh, you know, accident pretty much every day. You know, I'm, I'm getting around on a walker right now, and my leg is really starting to heal up. You know, um, I mean, from the, I don't know if uh, your listeners know, but I was hit by a speeding car while I was just literally innocently crossing the street one evening at 745. Back on December uh, 3rd, and uh, driver wasn't looking. They must have been texting or whatever, but they were literally gunning towards me. Um, I saw it out of the corner of my eye because there was no car coming before I started crossing the street, and I tried to jump out of the way. Uh, it, I jumped up, it got my right leg. It broke it in two places, uh, compound fracture, so the bone came out of the flesh, and then I uh, went up through the windshield with my head, <gasps> which which completely split open my head. So I now have this completely crazy biker looking scar and uh, which, you know, goes across the top of my head, but at least I didn't lose my eye. I mean, it could have gone an inch lower. I would have lost an eye. Uh, I went through the windshield, bounced back off the hood of the car. I I was conscious for the whole thing. So I was spinning. I was, you know, obviously sober. So I, I, I bounced off the hood of the car and then hit the street with my head and the rest of my body. Oh my God. which was unbelievable. And I looked down and, you know, I was in shock basically, but I was trying to figure out what I was going to get myself to stand up. And I looked down at my leg and it looked like a pretzel. Oh, um, dude. You know, I was covered in blood, obviously, everywhere because my head had completely opened up. And, um, you know, even it was so loud when the car hit me that because the person didn't break because they obviously weren't looking. They were going about 40 miles an hour. I mean, everybody said I was lucky to be alive. You know, it was obviously all over TMZ and everywhere. But I uh, was just laying there for about nine minutes. Uh, People came out from all the surrounding buildings here in Hollywood that uh, it was literally, they could hear the uh, sound of the impact. And they thought it was two cars hitting each other. And it was my body. And the driver uh, of that car was former MTV VJ Adam Curry. No, just kidding. No, but (laughs) I'm so glad you're okay because, Matt, I mean, one of the things that you read a lot, um, studies have have been shown that if you're going 30 miles an hour and you hit someone, they have a much, much greater chance of living. 40 miles an hour is usually means the person dies. Yeah. And so you are... The absolute exception. Nine lives. We are so happy. When we, I, I've, you know, we're friends on Facebook, and I've been watching your recovery, and I'm just, I'm so glad that you're talking with us today. I'm so glad you're okay. But we Dale Bozio so told much. you. Dale Bozio told you. Nobody walks in L.A. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I know. Well, that's the funny thing. People keep bringing that song up. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, it'll be. 
that will come before I actually uh, try to cross the street like that again. I mean, that was uh, – but I've done it so many times. I've crossed that street a thousand times on Franklin Avenue near where I live. Uh, I mean, the amazing thing was, I mean, literally the EMS uh, drivers looked at me and said, you know, eight out of ten times, uh, nobody, you wouldn't have lived through this. And then when I got to the uh, Cedars-Sinai emergency room, uh, the, the plastic surgeon – who sewed my head, I heard the, you know, because I was conscious for everything. So I heard another person tell him, well, you do you just want to staple his head? And this is the greatest thing. He goes, no, this guy's a VIP. He goes, I watched this guy growing up. He goes, I'm going to sew his head back so it looks as best as it can. Wow. So he literally, uh, you know, he put like, you know, local anesthesia to kill some of the pain, but I felt every single thing. Yikes. And then because of the, isn't this crazy? I'll just, I'll just tell you this, but, uh, I had to wait 14 hours for my leg to be operated on and the metal rod to be put in there, the titanium rod, and the two brakes to be screwed back in because of the blood pressure and the trauma. So that was a pretty incredible wait. But, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling really good. I'm, I'm on the road to recovery. I mean, I'm doing a ton of physical therapy, and I'm grateful to be alive. I know what a miracle it is that I'm, you know, I have all my facilities. I mean, so many people – suffer paralysis uh you know i mean they lose hearing they lose oh because the other thing i'll just tell you quickly before we go into chris cornell was uh you know part of my ear was actually torn off oh. they sewed that back on Yikes. so but i didn't lose any hearing um and i can speak and you know i didn't there's no brain damage i can't i can't of course talk about any pre-existing conditions <laughs> <laughs> you know well, i have um, you know, I'm well, here's the thing, Matt. I, you know, crutches or no crutches, nothing stops the rock. You still got out to this Chris Cornell tribute show last night. But before we get there, you and he were quite close. Yeah, we were very, very close, Chris and I. I mean, so much so that, uh, you know, when Audio Slave were touring and, uh, and Chris was, uh, you know, first getting sober, he would call me every night when he got off the stage from Lollapalooza that year. Uh, so he had a really close friend that he trusted to talk to. So we would talk every night. And, uh, and even when he had that crazy stalker, uh, during that nine inch nails tour, when that, all that stuff was in the news, I mean, he was really not seeing people after the sound garden set, but he asked me to come back. We talked for an hour. We were always very, very close. And I you know, did a lot of stuff with Soundgarden over the years, but he and I had a really special relationship because, you know, we both had our struggles and we stayed close. Uh, it was you know, not only our mutual love for music, but we loved each other. We were we were really very very close friends. Uh, so it was very important for me to be there that, that last night. I, I just had to uh, to make that. There was no way that I was going to miss that show. So I, know, I, I have to there. imagine it's hard for you to even get around. So getting to go to the show last night was probably a big deal for you. Just getting out of the I house. Mean, you know, I got. I got there and, uh, you know, they were so great at the forum. You know, I got there, I had my walker and they sent a wheelchair for me and uh, they waited and sorted me out, brought me to my spot. They had a guy standing there in case I needed to go anywhere during the entire night. So that's, I got to give the staff at uh, the L.A. Forum uh, so much love and props. And, of course, all the people involved in the concert, everybody made sure that I was looked out for. So that was, you know, really, really important to me. But I, I did not want to miss the show. So, Were you there so for the whole thing from the very beginning? Yeah, I got there at the beginning with the Melvins and everything. And, you know, it was interesting. There's, you know, I got to say the Melvin set um, was interesting because it was kind of a weird – it was a tribute in some ways to the whole Seattle thing because, 
you know, they did a Green River cover and a band malfunction, and they eventually did Spoon Man as well. But, uh, you know, I saw literally uh, pretty much 90% of the show, unless I ran to the bathroom, but uh, not even 90. I saw like 90, 97% of the show. So I was uh, I was there to see so many things. And uh, Jimmy Kimmel did a really uh, a great job of emceeing the event. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what really surprised me, one of my favorite performances, and I did not know what to expect, but you're going to, this is one that might surprise you, but Adam Levine. I knew you say Stone, that. Yes, with Stone Gossard um, and did Seasons from the single soundtrack. And he, he really was channeling Chris Cornell. It was incredible because you know, Adam honestly grew up, his favorite bands were Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. So, you know, much like the guys in The Strokes, everybody thought the guys in The Strokes were fans of, like, you know, Velvet Underground and Replacements. Sure, they discovered them later, but they cut their teeth on the Seattle grunge music and all the stuff that was going on in the 90s as kids. So uh, it was, that performance was absolutely amazing. I mean, he nailed that song, you know? Um but uh, I mean, every I mean, there was all pretty interesting sets. Like Foo Fighters, you know, they went back and did a more obscure Soundgarden song. They did a song called "No Attention" from Down on the Upside, and then they chose to do something that Soundgarden had been doing live. Well, you might remember that Soundgarden had done a really slowed down, kind of sexy, cool cover of "Girl You Want" by Devo as a B-side. Now they would also do that live and do it with Cheech and Chong's. Earache My Eye. Yeah. It was like a comedy track by well, what Cheech and John called Alice Bowie. It came out in the 70s when Alice Cooper and Bowie uh, were very, very flamboyant at that time. So that's one of the things that they did um, uh, with the Foos, uh, which was really, really cool. And then, uh, of course, Dave Solo was talking about on stage how much he loved Chris and what he meant to him. And then he played Everlong acoustically, which was a pretty amazing moment. Um it was interesting, too. I should tell you guys about Metallica because Metallica uh, chose to stick to the earliest Soundgarden stuff. And James Hetfield even said on stage, he goes, you know, my favorite Soundgarden stuff is from the first album. I really love the early stuff. So they actually did two songs from the very first Soundgarden album that was on SST Records called Ultra Mega OK, very early material. They did a song called uh, All Your Lies and uh, Head Injury. But they also threw in there Master of Puppets and For Whom the Bell Tolls, which was very, very cool. Um, and uh, those guys, of course, sounded great. But, I, you know, I think sometimes when people went there, they thought it was just going to be uh, literally Chris Cornell-related songs. But, I mean, there were a lot of incredible performances. Uh, you know, Ryan Adams uh, did a song called Dead Wishes, and then he did a beautiful version of Fell on Black Days. And Ryan Adams is one of those guys, whenever he gets up there and kind of does his thing, uh, I've seen him do it at a Bob Mould uh, tribute concert that I was hosting years ago and, uh, here at the Walt Disney Music Hall. Um, you know, you can, it's just, he, he saw a motive. So Ryan Adams' performance was great. Um, and is there anything else you guys want to ask me about? I mean, I can Yeah, tell I, I wanted to ask you, Matt, um, we have a, a listener on Twitter, David DeSola, who wrote in and said, um, I definitely want to mention Tony Cornell's performance of Redemption Song with Ziggy Marley, hugely symbolic because she once performed it as a duet with her father. Can you talk about that performance a little bit? Yes, I can. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, I've watched Tony grow up, you know, I, in fact, 
His oldest daughter from his first marriage was Susan Silver. Lily, I've known since Lily since she was born, and I've also watched and known since, you know, he met Vicky and, and they got together, seeing these kids grow up. And, uh, you know, the fact that Chris was always so warm. I mean, when he would do shows like back in New York City where you are at Town Hall and he would do, you know, a full acoustic set, he was always bringing uh, his kids on stage. You know what I mean? That was one of the things that he used to do. He was very, very proud and very loved being a dad, loved his children very much. So the fact that she got up and did that with Ziggy Marley, uh, I love it. Like you said, it was very symbolic because you're talking about the children of two unbelievable icons and, and doing a song that's really just one of the one of the greatest songs of all time. Redemption song is, is amazing. No matter who does it, it's just it's one of those incredibly moving songs. So that that was was really it a tear jerking uh, moment where when you looked around the audience were people just like blown away? Yeah, I, yeah there were certain yeah people were extremely moved by that, you know. And and I should also tell you about some of the other uh, some of the people that were that literally did dedications in in speech. Uh, uh, John Carter Cash, Johnny Cash's son, came out and wow. talked about how he he didn't find like he liked music, but it was when he found Soundgarden that he felt like he had really found the music that connected to his soul. And he mentioned that it meant so much to him that when he heard his father's version of Rusty Cage, that it, it just, you know, literally for him, it confirmed that Chris's songwriting was one of those things that can be interpreted by any genre, an artist of any genre. And there was something absolutely great about it. And, and he just said how much it meant to him. And then, Josh Homey, or you want to call him Josh Homey, everybody, you know, depends on how you like to pronounce his name from Queens of the Stone Age. He got up and did, uh, uh, you know, Johnny Cash's version of Rusty Cage out there by himself on a guitar. And uh, he did a really cool version of it, which was great. Also, you know, Josh Brolin, who was Chris's next door neighbor, basically was right by each other and had become very close. Uh, he and his wife and uh, Chris and, and uh, Vicky Cornell. Uh, and, you know, I see Josh quite a bit. I run into him, you know, with friends. So um, we've, we've had long conversations. And he once wrote an incredible dedication about his love for Chris after Chris passed away. Well, he got up there and talked about uh, Chris. And then he also introduced Vicki Cornell, which was a pretty emotional moment mm. when she got up and talked about Chris up there. And, uh, the, the, you know, they had incredible images of Chris. And in between some of the set changes uh, they would show performances like they showed the entire uh, performance of Birth Ritual, the the original footage from the singles movies. Wow. Uh, you know, and Matt Dillon goes in there. So they show the whole performance. They showed him doing I Am a Highway, which was amazing, the Audio Slave song that he did. And, um, you know, just a couple other things like Billy Jean, his cover of that. And I remember when I was in the studio with Chris back then at NRG here in L.A., and he was working with Steve Lillywhite on that album. And he got, wanted to surprise me, and we were outside just like having a cigarette and talking for a while, and he goes, come in here, I want you to hear something. He wouldn't tell me what it was, and the, I remember the first time, you know, while he was recording the record, Chris playing his cover of Michael Jackson's Billy Jean for me. But, um, you know, they, so they showed a lot of really incredible footage and, and pictures of Chris, um, you know, in emotional moments with his children. It was... Uh, there was a lot of incredibly moving moments. Um, Fee, I wanted to ask about Fiona Apple because that was such an interesting ad the other day. You know, she's not someone we see out 
live very often. I mean, do you know about his relationship with Fiona and what did she perform? Um, let me just let me just there. What song was it again? Give me like ten seconds to remember it because I'm all night thing. Everything was. What's that? It was all night thing. All night oh, oh, with right, Stone yeah, and Matt right. Chamberlain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which was uh, I thought it was great. I mean, that was all all during like towards the uh, the end of the the show. I mean, Fiona was. Uh, I mean, it was just great to see her out there. I you know, obviously they'd known each other and cross paths back around the time of uh, the album Down on the Upside. And that was when they became friends. That that much I do know about it. So it was kind of cool to see her do that. And of course, you know, actually we should talk about the Audio Slave performance as well, because a last minute addition was Perry Farrell, of course, uh, from Jane's Addiction. And he got up and did Cochise, which was uh, an interesting choice for Perry to do. Um, and... Uh, and I'm just trying to think about, oh, and that, that set ended with, you know, Show Me How to Live done by Dave Grohl. Dave wow. came back up and rocked that version of Show Me How to Live, uh, which was really great. Uh, Tom Morello's dedication to Chris was one of the most passionate of the entire evening. Tom Morello was talking about how Chris was just one of the most amazing people in his life and how important it was uh to play with him and he loved Chris because he said, and he made a comment that was pretty funny. He said, uh, he goes, you know, it will always have that music and that amazing voice. And he made a comment about his chiseled body as well and his his perfect hair. You know, he was kind he was making light of it and then just saying just how amazing, you know, Chris was and, and, you know, the the gift of the music that will live forever. Let's take a uh, second to reintroduce you. This is Matt Pinfield, who pretty much needs no introduction. His who, voice is pretty obvious. Who was actually with uh, the uh, the entire crew last night at the five-hour Chris Cornell tribute. Here's a question I have. Uh, she mentioned um, Fiona Apple. Miley Cyrus is on the bill, so she does two-drink minimum and when hope and promise fade. And then she comes back, and this, this I, I can hear it in my head, she comes back with Stone Gossard, Matt Cameron, Jeff Amet, Jeff Amet, and does Say Hello to Heaven. I could totally hear her doing that. You know, she did a great job. I, I mean, once again, you know, some people might uh, look at that or say, oh, well, you know, uh, but, well, you know, uh, she's a pop singer or she's, you know, she was in the country. No, she was great. I mean, she she nailed it. She actually killed it. She's got an amazing voice. If you, you know, I mean, she's just recently when she was on Saturday Night Live. I mean, she just she's an incredible uh, singer and she's into cool music and she uh you know, I mean, you may love her her music the way it is. I mean, or just love her pop stuff. But she's a huge fan of uh, of a lot of rock and roll and loved Chris. And so I thought doing uh, Say Hello to Heaven, I was just, I was really absolutely blown away by that. I thought she she nailed it. And that's why I think two of the biggest surprises of the evening to rock fans and, you know, Soundgarden and Audio Slave and Chris Cornell Puris were just how good Adam Levine and Miley Cyrus were. I mean, that's one of the things that I think uh, people walked away with. They were like, wow, you know, they absolutely nailed it. And you could tell that it was in their heart. They loved the music. So, I mean, that was really cool. And then, of course, Chris Stapleton, you know, Brandy Carlisle's got such a great voice. And, you know, um, when they did uh, Hunger Strike, it was, uh, I'm I'm sorry, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was unbelievable. I just, uh, uh, you know, Brandy Carlisle was up on, on stage twice. Chris Stapleton, of course, did the keeper early on in the show and it came back out. 
Um, also, you know, the guy Marcus Durant, uh, you know, he got up with Soundgarden as well. And he ended up getting to know Kim Thiel, the guitar player for Soundgarden, when he was on tour with that new version of that classic Detroit band, the MC5, who calling themselves MC50 for the 50th anniversary. Kim Thiel from Soundgarden was on that tour. He got to know Marcus Durant. So Marcus came up and did a couple songs with them as well, which was amazing, including Outshined. And um, he's, he's got an, a great voice. Wayne Kramer, the legend from the MC5, with his other uh, great friend and protege who do so much charity work together. Uh, I'm talking about Tom Morello from Rage. He, they got up and uh, also uh, uh, you know, performed uh, together there. So it was just an incredible night. I'll tell you another great surprise of who was so good was Taylor Mumpson from the band The Pretty Reckless. Mm. You know, you of course know her from being an actress before she was in a band, but I yeah, mean Yeah, and her band real... opened for Soundgarden the night that Chris passed away. Yes, they did. And you know, I remember talking to Taylor before she confirmed that tour, but they knew they were up for touring with Soundgarden and she couldn't have been more excited. She loved Soundgarden. They were her favorite band. Um, and so when they got that tour, she was, she was elated. She was so, so happy. And, uh, and she was telling me that, I mean, she just, she was literally up for it. It wasn't confirmed, but it was pretty close. So she was perfect to do the songs that she did last night. And, you know, so that was the only, the only song that was performed twice was Rusty Cage because first done in Johnny Cash style by, by Josh from Queens of the Stone Age. And then of course she did it with the guys in Soundgarden. So, um, it was cool because you got both versions of that song. Well, what was it like? Because, of course, before last night, there really hadn't been a Soundgarden reunion of any kind. You know, they had the original guys hadn't played together since uh, Chris passed. So, I mean, it must have been... I mean, I, I know it was so hard for those guys. You know, I, I the at the memorial this year, of course, I went over to it. You know, the Vicky has over at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And I went over... And uh, the only Soundgarden member who was actually there was uh, Matt Cameron came and he and I were, were hanging there together with Morello. And, you know, um, you know, we always talk about Matt Cameron, what, what an incredible drummer mm. and, uh, you know, uh, very, always loved Chris, very close to Chris. And, you know, gets to playing two of the greatest bands of all time with Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, two of the best bands to have been uh, in two really unbelievably important bands. But, um, you know, I think, you know, having talked to the band members, you know, they, it, they needed some time, really needed some time to heal before they could, could even think about that. It wasn't um, like as where the Lincoln Park guys, they did that Chester Bennington tribute pretty soon after Chester passed away. Um, and uh, I, with the guys in Soundgarden, they, they really needed more time to heal. You know, I was thinking about that too. It's interesting that you brought that up because it's it's been you know, a year, going on two years in May, right, since we lost Chris, yes. but the, the thing that they, you know, it's it that's a long time in between him dying and now, only when you think about the Chester one, which was put on within a matter of three months. So I was wondering if that contributed at all to the atmosphere, like, you know, the Chester one was so, like, people were sobbing because it was so... It was they were mourning in 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 time. It still was raw. In the, yeah, it was so still raw. What what was the overall feeling last night in the arena? Well, I'll tell you, I was at the Chester Bennington one too, and I'll just say that I you know one of the things that was 
what I will say, one of the things that was definitely a parallel on both is, okay, um, whether you like both singers, Chester Bennington and Chris Cornell, um, whether you like one more than the other, whatever your taste happens to be, one thing for sure is that they were such unique singers that I know at both of the shows, it's really hard to nail either of those guys as vocalists. I mean, you know, people, uh, you know, obviously did their best and did their tribute, but I mean, they were just exceptional singers in their own right. And uh, yes, it was a very emotional time at the Lincoln Park when I was there for that one for Chester. And I was also at his memorial too, where, and it's, it's just the, the, the parallel is incredible. The fact that Chester had sang at Chris's, uh, yeah. you know, Chris's, you know, funeral, uh, you know, basically. And, and, you know, um, and there were a lot of musicians, of course, who were all out there for Chester's funeral as well. But I will say that that was the difference, to be honest, to answer your question, Lori. I, I feel that it was so fresh when Chester passed that, yeah, it was, I mean, I was standing next to his best friend uh, there at that show who was crying, like, for most of the show, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I think by this time with Chris, uh, enough time has gone by that there was really people were reflecting in a more celebratory way and people that were, were just like there to celebrate his music and his life. Um, but there were definitely moments where I, you know, I was saw people around me getting, getting choked up and, and extremely moved, but it was, it was definitely uh, people were there to celebrate the music. And one of the messages that came through with everybody that spoke, whether it be Jimmy Kimmel or Tom Morello or, you know, uh, Josh Brolin, whoever was was speaking at the time, was that Chris's music will live on, you know, because it's it's so strong and it's it and he wrote so many great things and his voice was so so incredible and unparalleled that um yeah that was the message that was coming around during this show and th- that was the difference between those two uh, tribute nights. Let me ask you one more thing before we lose you, man, because um you were just talking about the Audio Slave set and it's interesting. It starts with the Melvins. And then we get down to Audio Slave. Uh, it's Tom Morello, Brad Wilk, uh, Geezer Butler of Sabbath playing, and that just goes to show you the influence of this guy from the Melvins to Sabbath. It's amazing if you think about that. Yeah, well, it's so true because the thing about uh, you got to remember they obviously Soundgarden loved and Chris loved Black Sabbath, and they even did a cover of Into the Void. It was like at the same time that they covered that Devo song, Girl You Want. They did their own versions of these uh, classic songs that they loved. I mean, they loved everything, obviously, from the Ramones to Led Zeppelin. I mean, that's where Soundgarden's taste was and where Chris was. Um, you know, I just want to also compare and just uh, just quickly mention that, you know, I went to both nights of Temple of the Dog in San Francisco, which was the last time that I saw Chris perform and also the last time that i saw chris alive you know um and that's those two shows i'm so grateful i went to those because chris was in top form mike mccready couldn't have been happier uh, matt cameron those guys were having i mean while they were performing there that was the the temple of the dog shows for those people who did get to see the few shows that they did were incredible because not only did they do the entire record but they they showed their influences on their sleeve. Everything from doing a David Bowie B-side called Holy Holy to Zeppelin's Achilles' Last Stand to songs by Free. I mean, and that's the thing that I think is amazing. I think that, you know, you literally 
the, the idea of Geezer Butler playing there is kind of a tip of the hat to, you know, the things that Chris loved and the music that really inspired him, you know? So it was, again, it, it was just a really beautiful evening and it was so good to see people come together. And I want to also say to you guys, you know, there was not a seat in the house. I will tell you that was the hardest ticket I've ever seen to get in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? Like, seriously. Wow. So many, there was no, like, there were so many people that still wanted tickets and people flew in from all over the country. I mean, I ran into people last night who were coming up and talking to me that were from everywhere, from New York to New Jersey to, I mean, you name it. I mean, it, they were from coming from all parts of the U.S. Some people were coming from, you know, different countries, from the U.K., uh, everywhere so uh, it was a it was an incredible night and that's and good because night. remember it was a benefit <laughs> it's a benefit for the chris and vicky cornell foundation so yeah and, and you know money. what I, I mean of course i was i was gladly i was grateful to pay for my ticket i was like you know this is what you do i mean there were there were really no comps for it last night and mm. i would think that if anybody actually asked for a free ticket that would be an insult to, to chris and yeah. vicky. i mean i think <laughs> That's, you know, when people do that, I'm like, well, I, I always I always get a kick out of people. Sometimes someone will ask me, oh, you think you can get me a ticket for that show, Matt? I'm like, it's a benefit. Yeah, can you get me on the list for this charity event? <laughs> All right, Matt, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for uh, doing this for us. And feel better. Convalesce. Stay out of the hospital. We'll be right back on Feedback. You're listening to Feedback 